0: I'm glad you're saved. Amen. And what a what a blessing! What a great song! Thank you, gentlemen. We read the story just a little while ago, or just portion of a message that Jesus had given. Brother Ray was talking about a little while ago, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, and the story or the message that he gave had several different sections in it. Part of it, I think, the first part was to invite believers to true holiness and happiness in the Lord. This basically uh, is a body of believers here. A church is that is called out assembly of believers. and that's what you are. Not that everybody in here is saved because we invite anybody and anybody wants to come to church to hear the gospel inside these doors and we're so happy to tell you about Jesus Christ. but overall, it's just a, a body of believers much like those that Jesus was speaking to. And I I remember that place, Brother Young. Uh, My wife and I got to attend uh, and go on one of those trips a few years back, and I remember standing there where Jesus uh, preached on that that, uh, place. And it was just a, it was a gripping place to be. And um, you will enjoy that if you get to go. But he was preaching basically to those who believed in him and believed in what he was doing and believed in the blood of his, that he was going to be shed and so forth. And these believers were listening to the teaching. As you go back into chapters 5, 6, and, and uh, the rest of 7, you'll find that Jesus was trying to get them to understand and invite them that after you're saved... I mean, that's the first step is to be saved and then uh, to be sanctified and, and uh, surrendered to the Lord. Those things are very key and very vital. And he was teaching the disciples to do just that. After salvation comes, you know, Brother Hiles wrote a book with a great title. It's called Salvation is More Than Being Saved. And we're not adding to our salvation, but we're adding to the, uh, the saved life. God wants more from you and he wants more from me than just my soul in heaven. He wants me to live a, a sanctified life. And we don't like to use that word much because it's kind of been misused by other other churches and so forth. But the, the, the truth is we ought to live a life that glorifies Jesus Christ. And they were, he was teaching on holiness and the happiness of a holy life. Then the second portion goes into uh, character and the work of Christ's disciples. Basically, the overcoming the personal struggles in the Christian life. And uh, when we don't want to and when we definitely don't like to, we love others. We take care of other people. We're kind to people. It's kind of a strange message, you'd think, of all the things Jesus could have taught that day, but he taught on loving people and being good to them and basically shedding the light of Christ out. And then he kind of closes with some thoughts on prayer and things of that nature, but basically concepts of moral laws and just living, being honest with each other uh, in the light of the Pharisees of the day that were misusing Christianity, so to speak, or uh, misusing religion. They were unkind, they were ruthless, they were prideful, they were arrogant. They put themselves above the people. And Jesus spent uh, a good part of an afternoon sharing these thoughts with believers. But he comes down to verse 13. If you wanna turn back in your Bibles for me, Chapter 7, verse 13, it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Father, we ask your blessing upon the message. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. In your name we pray. Amen. The straight gate is basically... You know, many folks have tried to explain what it is. It's not necessarily talking about salvation, though you've got to be saved to enter the straight gate. But it's talking about a strict gate, a gate that has some rules to it, some guidelines. Not just everybody is going to go that direction because that road that it's on, it's a narrow road. It's a road that... Very few will 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 go down. Very few will cross. The straight gate and the narrow way is leads unto unto life. But as we find in our own Christian life, there are very few of us that'll walk that road. And we're talking about Christians now. Most folks will get saved, and that's pretty much it. They'll hit church on Christmas and Easter and a few other days and watch their children get baptized or grandkids get baptized, but church isn't isn't part of their life. Religion isn't part of their life. They're saved. They're on their way to heaven. There's no sanctification in their life. There is a steadiness of a lifestyle, but no sanctification. There's no no, set-apart of a lifestyle that's holy unto unto the Lord. Now, we all have a choice, right? We, we have a free will. God gave us a free will. We've talked about it before when I preached. But and the sky is the limit for what we can do or can do with our lives. I mean, we can become go into business. We can go into the ministry. We can, we can uh, develop any kind of career that we have the talent or the, the care to do. God has given us that will. But that will is also still with us after we have accepted Christ to come into our heart. You have a chance and an opportunity, if I may, to walk a road that is less traveled, a road that is narrow by terminology. God wasn't mincing words or didn't come, couldn't come up with a word and called it the narrow road. No, it was called that on purpose because, because very few people are on it anyhow. And broad is a way that leadeth to destruction, but it's our choice, and we can the children of Israel had this opportunity when they came out of Egypt, they'd lived in a dictatorship. They didn't have to follow uh, the, the things of God because God wasn't even talked about. They followed the things of Egypt and, and uh, they didn't have to uh, pray and ask for food because Egyptians gave them food. And uh, they didn't have to pray and ask uh, where they were going to live because they were told what to do. But when they came out of, of Egypt, they had a freedom that they hadn't had in all of their lives. And all of a sudden now life is totally different and God had to become real to them. And though Moses tried his best to teach that to them in the few months during the plagues, they found that shortly thereafter when they hit uh, the, the, the uh, uh, edge of the promised land, that the people still murmured and griped and complained and tried to overthrow leadership. And God realized that in order order for these folks to enter into the promised land, there's going to have to be a whole lot of new training, and so I'm going to have to take them down a narrow road. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness learning to walk the narrow way. They had to learn what it was to pray. They had to learn to, to worship in the temple. The guidelines and procedures that went along with the lifestyle of a godly life back then had to be ingrained. So much, so, and it was so difficult that God knew, the, if I may, adults, God knew the adults weren't going to get it. So everyone 20 years of age or older died. Within those 40 years, only the children born or alive, 20 and under, retrained for a the narrow road. We're living in a day and a time where the adults of this world, and I'm not beating up adults in this room. I'm, I'm just challenging you and basically stating the obvious that the adults of this world right now have sorely lacked in their Christian walk. They're changing Bibles and churches. They're changing directions of churches. They're going to less church instead of more church. They're going to less standards, more careless ways than than they were taught. And our young people are coming up in a day and time without without very few guidelines and very few precepts from the Word of God, Bible doctrine it's called, that guides their future. And, And it's being taught away, it's being scared away, and our young people have not decided for the most part to walk the Narrow Road. Brother Judah, I heard your sermon at graduation. I thought it was an excellent graduation message. And if I remember it right, I was trying to think of this morning. You said three, you, the, the story you heard was 3%. 3% of Christian young people failed to ever make it into Christian work. Now, I would hope to think that in our ministry here, as much effort as we put into it, ours would be much higher, and I believe it is. But I do know, do know this, that there are more Christians in northwest Indiana today outside of church than in church this morning. All over the area. I guarantee you there are more Christians, there are more members of this church not here today than are here. When our churches, in, in uh, what I would call troublesome times, difficult days, should be all the more. As you see, the day approaching, the Bible says, we ought, to, we ought to want to edify each other all the more. All the more. So it tells us why the narrow road is narrow. I believe there, there are fewer graduates Overall, though, I don't know what the percentage is here, but I'll just say from all Christian schools, there are definitely fewer graduates of those Christian schools that will spend their life on the narrow road. There are fewer college graduates from Bible colleges that will spend their lives on the narrow road than those on the Broadway. Now you say, well, Brother Eddie, is that alarming... It's not alarming to me, however, it does break my heart. It just breaks my heart. You know, at some point in time, you and I have to decide what road we're going to be on and what road we're going to stay on. That's your choice. That's your choice. And, you know, and and it's very simple analogy here. It's because, you know, we got saved. We want Jesus to ride with us, right? God is my what? pilot. Well, the truth is, as long as you're driving, you're, you're gonna go the way you wanna go. When God is your co-pilot, you're gonna to try to take God everywhere you want, want God to go. But when God is the driver, He has the keys to the vehicle, you're going where He wants you to go. And it's God's will, and God expects His children's race to be run on the narrow road. You say, well, Brother Lapina, I'm, I'm not, not ready for that. And I understand that. I understand some of you aren't, but that ought to be your goal. That ought to be your passion in life. That ought to be my passion. I've watched our young people now for over 40 years graduate from our schools, and some go off into Bible college and serving the Lord in the ministry, and, and uh, we couldn't be happier. Some are serving on our deacon board, and some are doing well. And I saw this week, and um, two of our REU graduates are on, pulpit, on a pulpit committee in a church out east. I was so pleased with that. Young men that had messed their lives up came and got back on track for God and got on the narrow road and now helping a church find its way. That's exciting to me. And I hurt for those that have gone a different direction and those that have said, you know what? I can be more comfortable on the Broadway. Of course you can. Of course you can. But that's not the road God wants me on. God wants me on that road. And I do believe that as a Christian, we can, we're not going to hell. We're not going to suffer one second in eternity because Jesus Christ saved us. And if you're not saved today, I beg you, the first step through that straight gate is to tr- is trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you can try living the Christian life all that you want. It won't matter if you don't know Jesus Christ. You may be saved, but you're living like those who are going to hell. Those that are on the Broadway. It's the most comfortable way. It's the easiest way it brings the immediate gratification of this world. It brings riches and fame, and it brings all the power that you like, that we all like for ourselves. But let's take a look at how we should look at that narrow road, if we would. We should, one, consider the privilege of the path. How many people get to travel that road? The Bible says, few. One of the things, Brother Judah, I I heard from teenagers and still do today, you know what, I want to be my own man. I want to do my own thing, along with everybody else. Tell you what, if you want to do something that stands out, try living living on the narrow road. Try to take a stand for Christ. Try to have separation and standards and holy living. I'll guarantee you, you'll find out what it's like to be all alone. But yet, you want to find a bunch of other believers. And if, you don't, if you'll if you stop and look, you know what? There are believers on the Broadway, and you're going to feel right at home there. And you're going, to, you're going to have a lot of buddies there, and some of your best friends will be there. But not very many people travel that narrow road. It's special. It's a road that God is pay, pay, pays strict attention to. And it has been a joy, if I may, and I I cannot even come close to, to, to qualifying myself as somebody that has lived an exemplary Christian life, but I do love the Lord, and I do want to live for Him the best that I can, and I will spend the rest of my days trying to make Christ proud of me. I want to stay. I want to get on. I want to walk. I want to live on that narrow road, and it has been a joy of my life to live on that narrow road. It's been a blessing. It's not been easy. God never said it would be easy. It's been difficult. We go through Christian education, and, and uh, we're around godly Christian kids all day long, and teachers, yeah, the Christian life is easy in high school. Unless you have to go to a public school, and then you've got to live a Christian life there. That's more difficult. You're going to have to stand out. You're going to have to walk a different, different way you get out into life and you get a job in the secular world your your christianity is going to be challenged now i'll tell you what we've lived a privileged a privileged path that row that we've got to put on listen to me i was i was out making some visits yesterday and and uh, and next door to a house that that was uh, <clears throat> having a birthday party and I, and I watched, I told the men in our prayer meeting last night, I watched as two adult ladies were talking to a four or five year old little girl and they were using the F word about every other word and the filthy language coming out of their mouth and the screaming at that child who was just standing there taking it like she hears it every day, all day long and she probably does. I've been privileged to live on a road where we don't talk like that. My kids didn't have to hear that. My kids didn't have to go to school and hear teachers tell dirty jokes and and cuss and swear and uh, and, uh, degrade the word of God. They didn't have to hear that. My kids grew up in a different way because we were on a narrow road. And I look, now at my grandkids get to follow the same path because we led them on the narrow road. Our church excites us about living the privileged path. Our camp last week that you took the kids on, Brother Judah, was nothing more than begging young people, hey, stay on this road. You're going to be entreated to go on the broad way, but I guarantee you, this is the path that's right for you. Because it's an awesome path. We get the fruit of the Spirit on this road. Love, joy, peace. I looked at that home yesterday. I'm thinking, is there any love there? I know there's no peace. I know there's no long suffering. I know there's no long gentleness. I can't see the goodness. And I'm sure there's no faith we're privileged for that, aren't we? We have that opportunity. And we should consider the privilege of the path, and two, we should focus on the promise of the place. If you want to stay on that narrow road, you're going to have to focus on the promise of the place. It's a place of eternal joy and peace. It's a place that has an eternity to it. Everything that you and I get and have in this world, and have it, it, that, that we gather, a place that we will try, where we'll try to get the things, and get the gold, and the, get the silver, all those things, the Bible calls it wood, hay, and stubble. When in turn, that road will lead us to an eternity of peace and joy, and a, uh, a lifetime That's eternal, by the way, so it's not an earthly lifetime, it's a heavenly lifetime. It's eternal, giving glory and praise to Jesus Christ. And that path that we are on, that narrow road, helps us in eternity spend what we have earned on this earth glorifying the Son of God. The Apostle Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous Judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them. Also, that love his appearing. You're not loving the appearing of Christ if you're not on the narrow road. There's no way. You, you, you'll uh, when you die, you hope you're going to heaven, and you pray that you are because you got saved. But, but you know what? You're not looking forward to it every day. You know why? Because you got to face God, and you know it. You know, Dad's coming home one day, right? And. Uh, it, your excitement to see him has been, is totally dependent upon how you've been acting. You know, the principal may step out of the school for a few hours, or the teacher out of the classroom, and you may be excited, or he may not be so excited to see him return, depending upon your behavior. That that path that we're on, that broad way that we like to be on, that's easier. That's seemingly more fun. I want to wear my hair this way. I want to dress this way. I want to act this way. I want to go to this party. Come on. It's all under grace right now. You listen to me. God's grace is so that you can have the power to live a life on the narrow road. Not so you can act a fool on the Broadway. We're pilgrims on this earth, not settlers. We're walking through this world and walking through this life, headed to a promised land, but we want to live today like we're stuck here. Like I got to get everything I can find. I got to live fast and furious because otherwise I'll not enjoy life. Well, you may get a thrill for a moment, but after it's over, you know, it's going to be kind of like riding a Ferris wheel or riding a roller coaster at Great America. It's thrill is short-lived. After that, you throw up, (laughs) just thought of that. And uh, after that, you're a little sick or just didn't bring satisfaction so you go get in the three hour line again. And last way we need to consider or look at the narrow road is one, to consider the privilege of the path, to focus on the promise of the place or the destination. Number three, never forget the purpose of the prize. Jesus gave very, listen carefully, very simple directions in these two verses. Very simple directions. He said, Get on the narrow road. Don't get on the Broadway. The Broadway leads to what? Destruction. Leads to what? The narrow road leads to life. You can't get better directions than that. And that. De- that prize that we get, that prize is eternal life. Blessings for all of eternity. It leads to life. Everything that Satan, everything that we get to do in this world that is right and holy and, and brings the fruit of the Spirit is about life. The leading of somebody to Jesus Christ. The being an example to the unbelievers. The shedding of the light of Christ. The giving to giving a track to somebody who's in need. To, to living an honest and presentable life. Uh, honoring God with your fruitful life. All of those things will be mounted in rewards in life eternal. Ephesians 5.10, we're to prove what is acceptable to the Lord. In Matthew 6.19, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt. And where thieves do not break through or steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. not sure I understand the last part of that verse well, but I think it might be this. I think that if I'm laying up treasures in heaven, first of all, my longing for heaven is going to be there. But also my eternity, my heart to Christ for eternity will be at a different level than everybody else's. You say, Brother Lupino, will we all, you're saying, will we love God differently in heaven? I don't know for sure that, but I think so. And I may be just speculating at scripture, and I apologize if you don't agree with me, and I won't argue with you, but I do know this. It's not that I want to have a better heart for Jesus than anybody else in this room, but I do want to have a heart that he notices. I do want to have a relationship that he acknowledges in a special way. You know, we're taught that every, every good work will be brought into judgment, whether every secret thing, whether it be good, or whether it be evil. The narrow road is, is not an easy road. You don't coast on the narrow road because it's uphill. That holy life is an uphill battle. It's an uphill climb. It's something that you're going to have to work for. This is why most folks take the Broadway. You can coast there, but the rewards are not the same. I don't know how many of you are garbage pictures, pick, uh, pickers. Anybody here, garbage pickers? Don't point. But, uh, but I saw in the garbage about a year ago a, a bin, a tote, had a lid on it. I thought, I want that tote. And I grabbed it, and I opened it up, and there was all kinds of memorabilia in there from somebody's high school year. His diploma, his trophies, medals, and um, all these things that probably now at some point in time in his life didn't matter. So what did I do? I dumped them out, and uh, I dumped everything out because I wanted the tote. Okay, I didn't need his medals, and uh, it wouldn't look good hanging around my neck. So I took the tote home. Now, as I was driving home, I was thinking about all those things that somebody thought was the greatest and the best and the most important moment of his life. And I thought, Lapina, is that what heaven's going to be like for you? When God looks at you and looks at you as the equivalent of a tote, And God says, good to have you here, Eddie. Let me see what you got inside. And he looks down and he sees all the things that I made for me. All the things I did for me. All the prizes I bought for me. All the hobbies I did just for myself. And he says, you had a full life, didn't you? Yes, sir. Well, sorry, but none of this matters here. And he dumps them all out. He says, you're welcome. You're welcome to stay. We want you. But this is all wood, hay, and stubble. This will burn. You're not saved today. You won't step one foot inside that straight gate. You'll never enter the gates of heaven. But if you're not saved, you can change that today in just a few moments. We're going to have what's called an invitation. We're going to ask you to step out of your seat, come down the aisle, and have somebody take the word of God and show you from this book right here how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. I'd ask you to join us. Then there are others of you that have just not gotten to that point in time in your life where you're ready. You're ready to work on that narrow narrow road. I'm begging you. I'm begging you, you need, you need to make a change, a change in direction, because I guarantee you, you'll be glad one day, one on this earth, but more so in eternity, that you decide to stay on the narrow road. Let's bow our heads for prayer.